Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. We are here. OG3 is back together. Bradley's been missing for a few episodes and yeah, we're excited. Yeah, totally MIA. Welcome back, Bradley. I am, I am, I am, yes, I'm alive and I'm back. And uh, and, and how many back. pounds lighter are you now? Oh, I no, I have, I'm zero. I've maintained, so. Maintained. Good well, for you. That's still 33 pounds down from a while ago, so it's important. It's important. I found him. He didn't lose him. I found him. <laughs> so did I. So did I. That voice you're hearing is Ryan Voss. He is our guest today. Uh, he hosts a morning show, the JNR Morning Show on KJO Radio, KJOE Radio. That's 106.1 FM down in Southwest Minnesota. He's joining us today. Really random way that that Ryan and I met. I don't even remember most of it. Someone put us in touch to do an interview, uh, and Ryan and I probably talked for an hour past uh doing the actual interview and oh, now we, now he's here now he's here so wow. thanks for being here ryan yeah no problem it's happy, happy to be here uh, it was angie ford that actually got us in touch uh the murray county cattlemen's set it up where they once a week i do an interview with somebody and they said to do it with you and i did it and we just ended up talking for quite a while afterwards well, and shout out to Angie Ford. She has been on this podcast before, uh, way back. She was back. on a very early yeah, episode, like one of the original a, guests. Right. Uh, yeah, almost a year ago. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a while ago. Oh so. gosh. Ugh. It's thanks, crazy. Thanks, We've been Angie. doing this for um, for a year. It's uh, hanging it's out for a year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nothing else has really been going on this past year, so it's, true. it's been nice <laughs> to have this. It's true. Well, uh, Ryan, before we get going here, Emily's going to lead us through two very important questions that we ask every guest. All right. Yes. And there are no wrong answers, although Bradley and Joe would probably disagree with me. But your first question, uh, the super secret, the moose room question, number one is, what is your favorite breed of dairy cattle? Favorite breed of dairy cattle? Yep. Oh boy. Um, I'd have to go with a Holstein just because my yeah! buddy of mine has a Holstein dairy. So I went over there and I helped him milk one time. That's the only thing I've ever had to do with like dairy in my life. Well, you we'll, love we'll it, to hear it. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll let it slide since you've only like seen it once. But yeah, that's that's fine. Uh it does unfortunately put Holsteins in the lead at eight votes. Jerseys have seven, brown Swiss have four. Dutch belted to Montbelliard to Normandy one, and we have one neutral vote. That's where we sit. Unfortunately, Holsteins are back in the lead. Yes. So Joe and Bradley are big fans of the little brown cows, the Jersey. Ooh, okay. Your second question, super secret, the moose room question number two, what is your favorite breed of beef cattle? Oh, that's Angus. No question. Black, Black Angus cattle. We got oh, cut him off now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what does this red button do? Yeah, hold yeah. on. So that's a very great. That's a great answer. That's that's my answer. So you're recovered from the dairy answer. Uh, that does leave Hereford <laughs> still out in front though at six. Yes, but closely what? behind them. Black if Angus. You asked my five. girlfriend though. She'd say Hereford's in a heartbeat. She's a big Hereford Ooh. lover. So okay, we need to have uh, her on just to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So Hereford's at six. Black Angus at five. Black Baldy's at two. Black 
belted Galloway at two, which was a big jump on the last few episodes. Brahmins at one, Stabilizer one, Gelby one, Scottish Highlander one, Kianina one, Charlay one, and Simmental one. Boy, so, the beef tally is just kind of a mess. It, it is. It's a There's huge a lot mess. <laughs> but maybe that's where Ryan's headed in the future. You know, if it, if his girlfriend loves Herefords, maybe he's going to be a black baldy vote in the future. Maybe he'll start that's getting the true. crossbreds going. No, I, it'll probably just be Hereford. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, at my place, I only have 14 cattle at my place. Our feedlots are uh, at a different location. But at our place, I wanted Angus. She wanted Herefords. We negotiated and we got Herefords. <laughs> I, that, that I like sounds that. about right. I like that already. But Bradley's happy with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, as you as you heard, Ryan does have cattle at, at home and, and operates a, a feedlot, a fairly big feedlot at 1,800 head, you know, at least for the Midwest. That's a big feedlot, and that's plenty of work. Uh, so kind of walk us through your operation a little bit, Ryan. I guess, you know, our operation split up between uh, two, two sites right now. Uh, we did have a third site where a guy custom fed for us. One location is my dad, where his place where he lives. Um, he's got about 800 head of cattle there. Probably about 600 head of cattle there right now. The balance is at a different feedlot that we have. We have a hired man that lives over there. So it kind of breaks down. So my, my farming operation is my dad, my brother, and myself. My dad and my brother kind of take care of the home site. And then at what we call the West Farm, which is where our hired man lives, it's kind of my responsibility to manage it, his responsibility to take care of the chores because he lives on the site. Um, so I guess that's kind of how it, it breaks down the rest of the cattle. Some at dad, some at our West farm over there. That's a lot going on. It's always a little difficult when you have multiple sites and oper- and you know, trying to manage multiples of that and communicating, even though, you know, it's looking like you've got your dad, your brother, yourself, and, and a hired man that that still can be a challenge to communicate with four people. How do you guys all stay on the same page? So basically it comes down to my dad and my brother, every single morning, they have what they call the morning meeting. And that includes my dad, my brother, and uh, our full-time mechanic. Uh, they sit down and talk about, here's what we're going to do throughout the day. When that meeting is going on, I'm on the morning show. So I call my dad as soon as I leave the station saying, Hey, what's going on? What did I miss? And then I get filled in. I go over to the West farm where uh, actually I go to my hog barn first. I, I also have a 2,400 head hog barn that I have myself. That's not affiliated with my, with my dad and my brother. And then after that, I go over to, uh, um, that's just a quarter mile away from our cattle site. And I go down there and I kind of catch up with Jeff and I say, Hey, what, what went on here? Uh, what's going on? How are the cattle doing? We take a walk through them together, take a good look at them. And then I then call my dad again. And I say, here's what's going on over here. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what we need. And so on down the line. So important question. Yes. Do you ever sleep? Not much. (laughs) Well, yeah. uh, Then it's my job to say that you need to be sleeping. You should be getting seven to nine hours every night. It's self-care. It's important. Here's the deal, Emily, because this is something that I I remembered from my time talking to Ryan before. Oh, you're going to you're going to here's the deal me, huh? Well, 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 here's the deal, because you're going to you're going to appreciate it because Ryan gets even less sleep because he gets up early before the morning show to go work out. Yes. Every morning. Ooh. Okay. Mad respect for that. Fair enough. So I get up, my day starts at about 4.00 AM. Uh, I get up between between four and four 15. I go to the gym. I used to coach football at South Dakota state. So I train a guy named Blake Schmitz. Uh, He's going to play quarterback down at Furman university in North Carolina. So him and I, we go work out together in the morning. 
uh, right after we work out, I then shower at the gym. I go to the radio station, do the morning show. After the morning show's over, I then go to my hog barn. Then I take care of my cattle. And then I go to my dad's and help him out with whatever's going on throughout the day. And then I end, end the day by doing chores again and going home. So, so when are you in bed? That's an important question. Like, is this like a six o'clock bedtime or like, Oh no, it's usually, usually, so I, I'll start my night chores around five o'clock and then I'll uh, get done with my hog chores about six o'clock. I then go do cattle chores from six to about seven 30. And then, then I come home here and I just bought an acreage myself. So I got my own acreage down here. And as I told you, I got some cattle here. So then I got to do chores here, stuff around the yard. I would and then eat supper and go to bed. I would say I'm in bed between 11 and 1130 every night. Oh, oh my that gosh. Is, uh, that's a shortage of sleep. Emily, you that's, heard Emily's response. That's that, Ryan, that's not enough. That's, that's not enough. That sounds like um, Brad when uh, I was uh, 19 and 20 years old. I, I don't think I could function on that little sleep and do and do all of that. You know, if I just had to sit around all day, maybe, but um, yeah, with this like cush extension job. <laughs> well, here, I think that like a big thing to note is that Ryan's schedule sounds busy and it's all over the place because it is, but it's not on that unusual for a lot of farmers to have a schedule like that. Now, getting up and working out in the morning might be a little extra for a lot of people, but otherwise it's it's not that far off. No. Definitely not. My dad's day starts at five and he's not going to the radio station. He's going to the office, getting his book work done and then going out and starting chores. My brother's day starts probably around five thirty, six o'clock. So I would say I'm only adding an extra hour on top of it. And that's about it. Uh, and you said you have, I mean, you got to prep for the radio somewhere in there too. So, I mean, when does that happen? That happens uh, while I'm eating supper usually. There you go. I'll walk in the house. Um, I'll sit down. I'll grab a plate of food. I'll throw my laptop next to me. I got a notebook on my right, laptop on my left. I start scrolling and I start writing and eating at the same time. That I mean, you don't waste any time during the day. Definitely not. No. <laughs> it, it's really cool. It's a it's a different story on how you got into radio. You said you used to coach football uh, at SDSU. Uh, unfortunately that's the wrong school, but, um, <laughs> it did, it did, did lead you somehow to radio. Oh, walk us through that. So I graduated high school in, uh, 2015. I went to South Dakota state and I got out there and football was just an absolute passion of mine. And I was sitting at Buffalo wild wings with a bunch of my buddies freshman year. And all of them had a test that I had taken that day. They had the next section. So it was the next day. They were like, I got to go study for the test. And I'm like, are you serious? The football game's on. we got to watch the rest of this game. They're like, no, we're going to go. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to stay and watch it because we're in the dorms. We don't have TV. And that was kind of what I wanted to do. And the waitress comes over and kindly asked me if I could go move up to the bar area. So I sat down up at the bar area and I was sitting next to this guy and he was sitting there talking to himself. And I'm like, who's this guy? He's kind of a goofy guy. His name's Mitch. Got to be good buddies with him. But I'm like, who's this guy? He's just a weird guy talking to himself. But he was saying everything wrong. And he'll tell the story differently. I promise you that. But he kept saying, the linebacker is going to blitz. The safety is going to roll coverage. And I said, no, he's not. That linebacker is not blitzing. He's dropping back. And we started talking. He goes, how do you know so much about football? Told him I used to play and I love to watch it. It's something that I'm very passionate about. Well, he asked me to come to the stadium. I said, well, who are you? He goes, well, I'm actually the quarterback's coach for South Dakota State. And I'm like, oh, whoops. Shouldn't have been telling him what he wasn't doing. And 
anyway, so we started going on and on and uh, talking about football. I ended up going to the stadium, got offered a job, and they said, we'd like to offer you a job. I said, no, because I thought it was going to be an equipment job. They said, no, 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 we're not going to make you climb the ranks. We just want you to be the uh, assistant running backs coach right away. Here's the job. I said, okay, yeah, I'll take that. So I got the assistant running back coach, coached there for three years. Um, it was part of our responsibility to do so many interviews, you know, press interviews, radio interviews, TV interviews and stuff as a coach. And, and I got always drawn for the radio one. And I got to talking with the same guy that would always want to do the radio interview. And he retired. He did a sports show from when, on Wednesday nights, lasted two hours long, seven to nine o'clock. I came on at like 7.30 and I was, on, I was off by like 7.45. And it just talked to SDSU football. Well, once I was done coaching, we lost to James Madison in the semifinals, and I got a job offer to go coach down at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I turned that down because I knew I wanted to go home and farm. So I said, I'm not, I'm done with coaching. I'm not going to come back for a spring ball. And I said that on my rate on my radio interview. And he goes, Well, would you like to just come on and be a full-time host with me from seven till nine? I said, Yeah, I would love to do it. And then he retired like two shows later. So I must have been bad luck. So he just retires on me and they're like, do you want the show? I said, sure, there can't be much to radio. All you got to do is talk sports. Well, it was sponsored by Cubbies. So from seven until nine o'clock, there was no commercial breaks. It was just two hours of talk radio. Wow. It's kind of crazy. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for about eight months. Then I left, I left South Dakota, came back home to the farm. I was at a corn and soybean meeting. And the current owner at that time, he was one of the managers of the station comes up to me and he goes, are you the guy that did the sports radio from Brookings? I said, yeah, I am. Why do you, how do you know that? He says, I'd recognize that voice anywhere. I loved your show. I said, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And he goes, we actually have a part-time job opening up for the morning show, but it's not going to be open very long. Like I know you're farming. It'll just be like, it was, I think it was May that he, talked to me about it. And I started in June. He's like, by August, when you get in the field, we're going to have somebody else. It's just like a short-term deal. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah, that sounds great. Well, August came around and nobody was hired yet. Christmas came around. Nobody was hired yet. Summer came around. Now I'm at a year. No one's hired yet. Now here we are a year and nine months later, still no one's hired. I'm pretty sure I'm stuck there. It's just a happy accident almost that you got into radio in the beginning. And then, uh, <laughs> like you said, maybe a little bad luck that the guy retired so quickly. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and uh, tell me what you were thinking that first time you're on the radio and you had no commercial breaks. Like how, when did you like get into that, that show, that first show and, and how quickly were you like, whoa, this is uh, th this is a challenge. Well, so I was told ahead of time when I was going to be guest starring with this guy, he's like, I'm not feeling very well. So I'm going to need you to kind of lead it. I'll run the soundboard. I'll do all that stuff. It's fine. I said, great. Sounds good. He said, it's two hours of talk radio. So come with plenty of stuff. I came with like a notebook. I kid you not three pages front and back. And I'm like, this is way more than enough. I got 45 minutes into the show and I'm out of content. And I'm sitting there on ESPN, oh, no. ESPN as hard as I can, just reading anything. I'm talking about, uh, like amateur golf tournament where a guy got a bogey off after hitting a car. I was like, what am I reading? I wasn't even sure what was going on. <laughs> and I then knew that I needed to start really preparing. So my time that I thought I was getting back after coaching, because coaching is like 
if you don't think I get a lot of sleep now, you should have seen what we were doing when we were coaching football. I thought the time I was getting back would be more used for fishing and relaxing and, you know, golfing and getting to know the area and having more fun. Well, no, it turned out to being more watching sports center, reading everything I can get my hands on to do a sports because I had to do a two hour show coming up in four days. I can't imagine, you know, we, we, we like to talk, um, Bradley, Emily, and I all love to, to talk and, and we still us. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, we still get to like an hour in and we're like, mm, I think we're done because we're out of content. And, and we, <laughs> and, and I, yeah, I can't imagine trying to talk two hours straight. Uh, and it's gotta be a lot of prep work. And like you said, just trying to soak up everything that's in the media, um, while we're recording this, just so everyone knows, if, if you hear us being distracted at all, it's because it's opening day for the Twins when we're recording. Yes. And uh, it's important that we keep up with the game. Uh, and Ryan is a huge, huge Twins fan. Is that a radio thing, Ryan? I mean, we've had Tom Rothman on here before, and he is also a just massive Twins fan. <laughs> I think uh, having to really do sports radio for the eight months or nine months that I did it made me just a bit, made me appreciate everything. And as bad as it sounds, appreciate everything except for football. I love football. Now I'm back to loving football. I'm actually a volunteer coach at our high school for football too, but it's just, I struggled to really like football after I spent 18 hours a day looking at film. So I started to find a different love and that was baseball. I was like, man, this is awesome. And my great uncle, when he was still here, when he was still alive, we went to every opening day for like six years in a row. And I just fell in love with baseball and yeah, I guess it is kind of just comes to the territory of wanting to talk and liking to talk. You got to have a lot to talk about. I think we can all agree that baseball is not the fastest game sometimes. So, I mean, just being able to talk at the game too and 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 really have it be more of a social thing when you are either watching the game on TV or listening on the radio or at the game itself, uh, it can be a pretty social occasion as well. And I, I love it for that reason. I, w I do wish they would speed up the game just a touch, but they're working on it. I know that. <laughs> So let's talk about cows, feedlots. Yeah. What do you see happening in the feedlot business now and what are the challenges? And Yeah, I guess the biggest challenge that I've ever had with cattle in my, I'm 24 years old. My 24 years of being around cattle was this whole crisis of the market that we just had going on this last year um, where the box beef got to ridiculously priced. But I remember there was one day, I somebody called me and was like, if you follow back the standard of what we should be getting paid based on what box beef is going for, we should be getting paid like two thirty-five per pound. And I was like, really? And I talked to my cattle buyer on the phone that morning, trying to sell cattle. They bid me 98 cents. And I was like, really? And that, you know, that kind of hit a little bit different when you're expecting to get so much more and, and you don't. And now you got to think I'm feeding them corn. I'm feeding them hay, silage, distillers. I mean, that stuff's not free. Plus the shots, the implants, we have two guys that work for us full time. You know, everyone's got to get a, make a living off of this. And it, it, it was a struggle for there for a little while. And now we've kind of seen it turn around and things are starting to go a little bit better as we progress throughout the, you know, throughout the COVID uh, pandemic. But I guess the biggest struggle that I've seen is proper marketing, proper marketing tactics. If I would have been a little bit smarter in my marketing, I could have avoided all of it by just having it hedged on the board. So during all of that, I guess it really just taught me the, the main thing with cattle is be persistent on your numbers. Make sure you're crunching numbers correctly. Make sure you're uh, double checking all your work you're doing. Make sure you're not being lazy when you're feeding. 
properly reading the bunk because wasted feet is wasted money. Yeah, staying on top of the people who work with you uh, because if they make a mistake, that's not just their mistake. That becomes your mistake as well with your cattle. So I guess uh, coming back and kind of taking a leadership role, the thing that I've really learned the most is being persistent. So I'm curious, uh, we talk about cattle. So are you, you know, we can talk about breeds. We talked about that in the beginning. You know, are you feeding, uh, doing any dairy beef crossbreeding, feeding out some of those steers? And how do they compare with the uh, regular beef or not doing any really of that? Yeah. So uh, we buy all of our cattle in between seven and 900 pounds. Uh, we feed them out to finish. My brother, just out of nowhere last year, calls me up and goes, Hey, I'm at the sale barn. I said, oh, okay, what are you doing there? He goes, I just bought 72 bottle calves of Dairy Holstein Cross. I'm like, you did what? <laughs> it's just, just out of nowhere, right? We're not I love me a good impulse purchase, and right. that is an excellent one. You got to keep in mind, we're not set up for bottle calves whatsoever. So right. he calls me and he goes, I am like five minutes away with him. Can you come over to my place? I said, sure. Drive over there. It's 15 minute drive over to my brother's. I drive over there and he's got cattle tied up in a machine shed to like whatever you can imagine. Tied up to this like wheel over here, tied up to the gate over here. I'm like, what is going on? And that they turned out to do really well. Uh, we just sold those. And I'll say that uh, they didn't yield as well with the dairy cross in there. And maybe that was just the group of cattle, whatever it was. We found most of our luck sticking with the Angus, uh, maybe the Baldies. They, they've done well for us in the past. But we've always kind of just been black cattle all the way through. Back when my grandpa was feeding cattle, uh, they fed Charlays, and he said if it didn't have a black nose, they didn't want them. We've kind of fed everything on our farm throughout, you know, my between my grandpa, my dad, and now me and my brother. I got Herefords now, but I guess we found the best luck, the best uh, rate of return, the best daily gain coming off of just Angus cattle. And where where are you sourcing those, Ryan? Are they are they coming from a sale barn? Or are you going out west? Or are you going trying to go directly from the ranch? Or how's that? Work? Yeah. So um, my dad's cousin is actually a cattle buyer. Him and his son are, are cattle buyers out in South Dakota. So a lot of them come directly from ranches, and a lot of them come directly from sale barns. Um, after doing this, my dad's been working with Ron for a lot of years. We usually buy the same cattle. You know, we we have this ranch out in south dakota that we really like to work with they are really good and i don't know their names my dad does but he'll call me and say yeah that ranch from belfouche wants to know if we want their cattle again yep we want them but they go right through our cattle buyers so between uh ron hens and tater hens they're they kind of do our sourcing of finding our cattle well that that's a huge value there when you find something that works in your system and works super well uh yeah you you want to hang on to that and that's the it's worth a lot to be able to know how those cattle are going to perform ahead of time, be able yeah. to know that whatever you're doing, whatever feeds you have is going to go so well. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, if you were going to respond, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, we do a lot of record keeping with data. Uh, that's a big thing for us is this group of cattle came from here. How did they do? And then that is saved on our computer. And then we can go back and look and we can say, okay, here's this rancher's cat. Here's this rancher's head of cattle. Here's how they did. Do we want them again? And so just pro like I said before, proper record keeping has just helped us out a lot. I saw both Bradley and Dr. Joe nodding in approval when you said that, Ryan. So <laughs> good. Excellent. Good. It's um, really hard to get people to do. So I'm glad you're doing yeah. it. 
Yeah. Well, and it just makes me think, Joe, of when we were talking about the vet logs in our spring cleaning episode. Anywho, but my question, staying on the cattle, but shifting a little bit, you know, I'm curious, tell us a little bit about the facilities you're working with. You know, uh, is anything built new? Are they retrofits, monoslope? What are you, what are you working with? Two very, I don't want to say very new. Uh, one was built in 2015. One was built in 2017, monoslope sheds. Uh, other than that, it's all concrete. Everything we do is concrete. We found that works better for us. We do have a dirt yard that we don't utilize anymore. Uh, but the only two sheds that we actually have cattle in are monoslope sheds. And that's only two of our one, two, three, four, five, six pens have sheds. The rest of them are just on concrete with wind breaks around them. Um, we found concrete for us works better in the spring and stuff. You know how it goes when it's wet and muddy and you can keep them dry. You can keep them clean. And we have a pit off to the side that we can push everything down into this pit. And when the field's properly set up, then we can go load out. So keeping them dry and keeping them clean has been just on concrete. In my life, we've changed everything to concrete. We've had all, almost all of it was dirt when I was really young. And what we've learned is happy cattle and dry cattle do better than wet and miserable cattle. So let's spend the money now. Let's get the facilities up to date and doing well. And then the cattle will pay for a return on investment. We love people who prioritize cleanliness. So that yes. is so awesome to hear. And yeah, concrete is great for that. And I would love to see your setup and how you have that pit and that like, oh, that just sounds super. You're funny. always welcome. Come on down anytime. Yeah. Moose room field trip. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. We're down in that area every once in a while anyway. So we'll, we'll have to hit you up. I mean, I like seeing people do stuff with not lots of facilities, not a building left and right, and being able to know that, okay, uh, if you can keep cattle clean and dry, which is a lot of the concrete, a lot of bedding, uh, and then having a windbreak, you can do just fine. And that's the same thing that we've talked about with Bradley, even with dairy cattle. You know, you don't need, you know, crazy facilities with every every single bell and whistle that there is out there. You need a windbreak clean, dry cattle with enough bunk space and enough water space and you're set to go. What kind of bunks do you guys have? Are you using J bunks or are you feeding on the fence line? How are you guys working that? So at my dad's place, everything is bunk line. So it's, it's just bunk line feeding. Uh, you stay on the outside of the yard and you bunk line feed over at the place that I manage. I have my monoslope shed is the only shed that I have bunk line feeding. And the other two yards that I have over there are all H bunks down the middle, concrete H bunks, and the cattle can approach it from both sides. So I drive through, I have drive through gates. So I open the steel gate and then I have the drive through electric gates. I drive through, I feed them. And then as I feed them, I then get off my tractor. I walk around the cattle as they're all walking up to the bunk. Okay. Who's not walking up to the bunk. And I feel like that is such a huge benefit. Bunk line feeding is great. Don't get me wrong, but physically being able to stop get off. And why is that calf not going up to the bunk? Why is he not eating right now with everybody else? Is he sick? Gives a nice, good look at the cattle. So I actually prefer these drive-through gates because it lets me really get a good look at the cattle and get a good feel for them. Yeah. I like that. I think that's a good point. I mean, especially if you're doing it every day too, and the cattle get used to you. They're so much tamer. You. Yeah. And they're used to you walking around. They're used to you checking on things and it's not weird to see someone out of the tractor. I really, I like that. And I like the charity in the yard. So you might as well go ahead and get out of the tractor and look and see what's going on. That's really exactly. nice. 
uh, I know that's not everyone's choice to, you know, have to drive into the lot to feed, but I, I do like it. And, and it does, to me, it makes a lot of sense if you can, if you can set it up right. So it's not, I mean, Ryan's pressed for time. We've all, we've all noticed that already. So you don't want it to take a lot of extra time to get it done either. Exactly. And, and like efficiency is, is key. So when I'm over there feeding, it's when I'm running the feed off, somebody else is walking a different pen. If I'm loading feed, somebody else is walking a different pen. If they decide they want to load that day, then I'm out walking the pens. And that's, that's how we like to do it. But we make sure we get all of our cattle that we have on feed, all of them stand up twice a day, guaranteed, because we are walking through the cattle and standing them up twice a day. Now, obviously, negative 40 degree weather, you're not making them stand up twice and 120 degree weather, you're not making them stand up twice. But just being able to maintain the they they're used to you when i walk through the pen they're used to me and when it comes to loading the cattle that makes it so much easier because all you do is walk up to them and they look at you and they're like oh it's just this guy i'm gonna walk over here I, you mentioned really hot weather really cold weather in the summer in those open yards with the wind breaks like how how are you getting those cattle shade or are you getting those cattle shade so our wind breaks are actually uh it's the concrete wall that goes all around the pen is probably four feet tall and then on top of that, we have another eight foot steel windbreak. That's what our windbreaks are. It's like, just looks like the side of a shed. So that's casts a nice shade coming in. And if they're, if the yard doesn't have shade and they all, the, the windbreaks kind of wrap around the yard. So no matter what, they're usually getting shade. And if it gets too hot, we do have overhead sprinkler systems. We don't like to turn those on because once you turn those on, you have to turn them off. You, you can't turn them off. I'm sorry. Once you turn them on, you cannot turn them off. Right. So that yeah. is like last resort, do not do it unless it's just miserable. Um, I think in my lifetime, we've only turned them on twice. Yeah. And so. it, it, it's usually a combination of factors, right? It's got to be fat cattle. It's got to be crazy hot. And like you said, yeah, important point. If you're going to get them wet, you got to soak them all the way down to the skin. And because if, if you don't, then you've just made it worse. Yes. Kind of back to how your operation works just a little bit. Do you guys split things up? Like, so, I mean, it sounds like you probably have a good handle on maybe some of the the books and the data and the records, some of like how the health records go and the closeouts and everything like that. Do you guys split it up so that everyone is responsible for one thing or you kind of all try to work on that together? So we all really work on it together. Um, our farm is called Voss Farms. Now, inside Voss Farms is Dale Voss Farms, Kyle Voss Farms, and Ryan Voss Farms. So I have my cattle. Kyle has his cattle and dad has his cattle. I don't run the break-evens for Kyle's cattle or my dad's cattle unless they ask me for help. Uh, they run their own. But when it comes down to working the cattle, walking the cattle, just the husbandry to the animals, that's all of our responsibility. You know, it's if dad decides, hey, I'm going to go down to, you know, if say he's going to go down to, on a vacation somewhere. Then it's just, you know, go, go take care of his chores. That's just how, that's what we do for each other. But as far as like bookkeeping and everything, I have my own office, they have their own offices and my cropland and my cattle are my responsibility. Same with my hog barn, Kyle's is his own. And so is my dad's. I mean, I like that's how that's set up so that everyone kind of knows what's going on in each position. So they net, they're a little clued in for any conversation that could happen. But then does that mean you guys are sourcing cattle separately and then, or are you sourcing them all together and then splitting it as they come in? Our buyers the same. So my dad's and Kyle's and myself, we all have the same two buyers. So 
if my yard's empty and I happen to be talking to Ron on the phone that day, I'll say, hey, Kyle needs a pen of cattle. And if dad's saying, he might say, Ryan needs a pen of cattle. But really, it's all sourced from the same locations. And they all come in. It's just who doesn't have cattle at the time. So my cattle that I have right now are set to go out in May. And the first week in May, they set to go out. So right after that, the next pen of cattle that comes in, that'll be my pen of cattle because I'm empty. Incoming protocols, receiving protocols. And then do you guys just kind of work that together just to be less stressful on the cattle and everyone gets the same? Or do you guys disagree on certain things and different things happen with different cattle? No. So I think we've watched my dad do it for so long. And my dad's been, I, I look up to my dad more than anything. He is the smartest, in my opinion, the smartest cattle feeder that I've ever met. So if my dad tells me that I need to go out there and kiss all of them, good night, I'm going to do it. So when it comes down to implants and shots, uh, we might voice our opinion and say, Hey, I think we should give them Cinevex, or I think we should give them Revlar. Ultimately it comes down to dad, what's going to be the most beneficial. And he'll say, it's, this is going to be the most beneficial because of X, Y, and Z, but it's your choice. So our, our, if it's my pen of cattle, I get the final say, but really it's just dad saying, this is what you need to do. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I like that the final decision is yours though. That, yes. that is yeah. Nice. And it's important to have those people that can help you in that decision-making, you know, right. like you, you don't have to do it alone. So, and especially when you have somebody who's really knowledgeable, that's right there. I mean, use your resources. I'm all about exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. And checking even with you guys, the extension website, we use you guys a lot for different types of feed additives. And I know we, I've talked to, um, I've talked to quite a few people from the uh, university that says, Hey, you know, due to the price, due to the increasing price of distillers, what can we do? And we go through the university all the time. So just utilizing all the resources you have, whether that's SDSU, whether that's the U of M, whether that's just farmers near that have been doing it a long time, don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help, you're never going to go wrong. I can't imagine that you always listen to your dad. Like there's, there's no way that, that you didn't learn that uh, by making a mistake in the past. Like how, oh. <laughs> yeah, walk me, walk me through that. Like, how did you learn? Like, Oh, maybe dad is right. Um, I guess, uh, the, the really big one was I tried to, uh, I bought this pen of cattle and they were great. They were a great pen of cattle. They came in and I gave them the virus. I gave them the implant and I gave them cleanup and we worked them. Everything went great. And dad goes, Hey, I think we need to work these cattle again. And I said, what do you mean? They're healthy as they can be. They look amazing. The implants are, I mean, they're huge. We obviously don't need to implant them again. And he goes, so you don't want to work them again. And I said, no, I, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, we're quite a ways out from that, but I think they'll be fine. Well, they finished out two light and I had seven die. And at that moment in time, I stopped for a second and I swallowed my pride and I said, dad, I should have treated them again. He goes, I know, he goes, but you had to make that mistake. I, I, I love, I love this story. I love how you guys have it set up. I love that your dad knows what's up, but he's still willing to let you make your own mistakes. And I, I don't know if there's a faster way to learn. There uh, wasn't that, that one hurt. That was a gut shot. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's not. It, you have to learn it. There's no way around it. Um, 
I'm glad you learned it. I'm glad that I'm not glad that you had to go through that to learn it, but right. Right. <laughs> I wish I would have lost one and been like, Oh dad, maybe it wasn't that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, but now, you know, now, you know, and that, and that's, important. and now you'll never do it again. So never, no, I will always <laughs> give them their booster on their virus. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, and you said, you know, your dad has been around the game for quite a while. What, what makes him good? Do you think like, what, is it just the time that he's spent around cattle or what, what makes him successful? So I'm actually a fourth generation farmer. And when you look back to, I guess you, I guess you could say I'm a fifth because who started our farm was BF Lindsay. And then I went to uh, Jake and Lillian Voss. And then it went to uh, Frank and Sally Voss then Dale and Kristen Voss, and now it's my brother and myself. So we are fifth generation farmers. And I think my dad has just seen, you know, he's been farming since he was, you know, just old enough, you know, back, back when he was growing up, there wasn't a choice. It was when you come home, you're helping on the farm. And I think he's been there through the good times and through the bad times. And he's learned that when you let the good times pay for the bad times, the bad times will never drag you down. And to never we don't need to be the nicest equipment operators. We don't need to be the fanciest setup operators. At the end of the day, it's just, if we make a bunch of money on a pen of cattle, there's, there's no reason to go out and buy brand new pickups and new tractors and all that stuff. What it, what it is is put that money aside because chances are you're going to have a bad one coming up very soon. So I think just his knowledge of seeing it all done and been there through good times and been there through bad times and, his attention to detail really sets him above everybody else. I think that that's a trend. That's not just beef either. That's dairy. That's, that's any farming operation, knowing that everything is up and down and there's not, you know, who could have predicted years like this one. But like you said, if you are very diligent and meticulous uh, about how you go about the finance side of things and where you really need to spend money and where it's just nice to spend money, and figuring out that line, it, it really does let you ride out some of these bad times to get back to the good ones. Anyone can learn from that one. And, and hopefully you can really take it to heart and not have to go through a lot of uh, bad times to figure that one out. Okay, so here's my question. Last one, we'll wrap after this. I can't get away from it. How is the veterinarian involved on your operation? And, 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 <laughs> And how, how do you see that relationship going? Do you have a veterinarian? Do you not? Do you see value in it? Is there, is there value there or not? There is huge value in having a veterinarian on site with you. Um, our veterinarian's name is Connie McNabb. She is truly a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. And she is there whenever you need her. You call her midnight. Connie, something doesn't look right. Walk me through this. And just being able to have somebody that you can trust because I didn't go to school to basically be, you know, I mean, you guys are like, if you think about it, I, you break your arm, you go to the doctor, you get sick, you go to the doctor. You know, there's a reason I don't, there is a reason I don't call myself a doctor because I don't have the proper schooling to do that. So knowing that I have somebody in my back pocket that I can call at any minute at any time and say, something's not right here using your expertise, what is it? And having them just say, okay, I'll be right out. And she lives just a few miles away from us. So it really does work. So having a close and personal relationship with your vet and making sure, I guess the, the most important thing with your vet is she needs, he or she needs to know your operation. 
They can't just pull on the yard and say, oh, this is what's wrong. They have to know the ins and outs of your operation because if they don't know what your cattle are usually like or what they're supposed to be like, they can't judge your cattle. So having a close and personal relationship is so important. Well, there you go. We the, there can't be a better note to end it on that. You know, Emily and Brad might uh, might disagree, but well, actually, right before you asked your question, I thought of one more. So oh, fine, fine. You just don't want to end on that. Sorry, That's fine. Joe. It's it's not that, but it did work out really nicely. That <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Ryan, I'm curious, and you kind of touched on this, but what is the most important management lesson you have learned in your time farming? Most important management lesson I ever learned was a pen is your best friend. Carry it with you. Oh, you can never, ever, ever write too much stuff down. If you don't think you're ever going to need it again, still write it down because you will. You know, if you if you don't write stuff down, if you go through the mindset and I had to learn this one the hard way, too, if you go through the mindset of I'll remember that in a couple hours when I get back in the office. You're not going to. I always carry in my pocket a little notebook and a pen, always. And I'm constantly writing stuff down because whether it's in the field raising a crop, whether it's in the, the cattle yard looking at your livestock, whether it's for the radio station talking to clients, you're always going to need to have a notebook with you. Writing stuff down is so important. And good note taking, good record keeping is just the most important management thing you could have. Oh my gosh. Now that is how you end the episode. I, I agree. I agree. I'm I just saying. I can't deny that at all. I cannot deny that at all. That is the perfect way to end. And uh, important management tip uh, from Ryan here, carry a pen, write everything down. Uh, I know that I have to. Uh, I never remember things two hours later when I think that I'm going to. So do that. Thank yeah. you, Ryan. And Ryan, being... you're young. Just wait until you get older. It's so much worse. <laughs> yeah. When you get as old as Bradley, you're going to really struggle. Yeah. That's why you use a camera on your phone to take pictures of everything so you remember. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Same thing. All right. Thank you, Ryan, for being here. We really appreciate you jumping on today. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Well, check out Ryan's morning show, JNR Morning Show. It's on from six to nine o'clock or so on uh, KJO Radio, KJOE. That's 106.1 FM. And if you need more information about his show or the, the broadcasting network, you can go to ChristiansenBroadcasting.com. If you have comments, questions, scathing rebuttals for us, please go to the Moose Room at umn.edu. That's email the Moose Room which is T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can also find us on Facebook at UMN Dairy and at UMN Beef, on Twitter at UMN Moose Room, at UMN Farm Safety, and of course on YouTube, U of M Dairy and Beef Teams and U of M Extension Farm Safety and Health. Thank you for picking me up, Emily. I appreciate it. I got you, man. <laughs> All right. Catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Throw the boat, Skyuma, go golfers. Throw the boat, Skyuma, go golfers. Throw the boat, Skyuma, go golfers. Mm.